Good morning. Well, welcome to Youth Servant Sunday. Let's give uh, the youth team a little love. Praise the Lord. So we, uh, we get to do these things from time to time, and, and really our heart behind it is just to invest in and come alongside you as parents to love and pour into and just train up the next generation, you know, for the Lord, um, to be the, the Daniels, uh, Isaiahs, and the Deborahs, and the Esthers, you know, our, our, next, our next leaders. So thank you for uh, loving them and supporting them. And, uh, you know, for us, we just want to give them space and platform for them to share their gifts and minister to us. So and I remember high school, my six years of high school wasn't, you know, <laughs> some of my fun times. But today, today's a special day. As I mentioned, it's Youth Servant Sunday. Um, for us here at Calvary, one of the, I think one of the biggest blessings that we have uh, been given with our youth and our youth leaders is not only do they love the Lord and they love his word and, and they do a phenomenal job. It's not, it's not just fun. It certainly is fun, but their aim and their goal is really to invest in the heart of our kids so that our kids are equipped and edified in the Lord and built up in the word. Um, but the blessing is that they, many of the leaders are homegrown, that they themselves were kids in our elementary and junior high and then high school. And so we have been blessed to have a, a core group that's basically grown up in our own church. Uh, and so actually Josh will be sharing and his family, uh, Sarah, his sister who led in worship. We've known them for more than 17 years. Uh, there's us baptizing little Sarah when I had hair back in the day. <laughs> Although you can tell I was, I was my comb over. <laughs> I was trying hard. I was trying hard. Um, and then Genoa, one of our youth leaders, uh, his, his family first came, I think, back in 2010 or so. It was a, a separate uh, youth servant Sunday. Look at that. Now he's one of our youth leaders. Isn't that cute? Now he's all big and buff, Genoa, but... Uh, <laughs> And then Anthony and Andrew and these other families, and of course, Azer. Um, uh, Eliezer is a, a, just a wonderful young man. I've known him for a long time. So I've shared with you before, his dad is the pastor at Calvary Chapel, Manila. And that's where the Christmas shoe boxes go to Pastor Lito. And he takes them and he distributes them all throughout uh, Luzon for, for us, for you guys. Um, but I've known Azer since he was a, a young man as well and just in love with the Lord. And God opened the door for us to be able to bring him over here. And he's, you know, been investing in our kids and loving on them. And so uh, what a gift uh, God has given us with our youth leaders. And, and I can go on. I mean, Maki and others, and there's many other who, who pour into our kids. And um, uh, it's no small thing. Amen? And uh, oh, yeah, there's, look, there's Josh. That's a... Uh, that's a snowman sheep, Josh, back in the day. <laughs> uh, I snuck that one in. <laughs> yeah. You're so cute, Josh. What happened? No, just kidding. Uh, just joking, just joking. Hey, we're blessed this morning. God's doing a great work with our youth, and so let's give Josh a really warm welcome as he comes up. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> It's awesome. Some fun pictures. <clears throat> uh, well, just as Pastor Rick said, I did grow up here in Okinawa uh, in this church, the youth group here, the children's ministry here. 
Um, it's, been a, it's been a ride. It's been a really good ride. And God's been doing so much uh, in me and through me. And it's just it's such, such a blessing, right? But uh, as I said earlier, right, growing up here in the youth group, growing up here uh, in a Christian family, I've heard many, many times being told, hey, show grace. Hey, show some grace. Show this person grace, right? Like being a competitive person at times, uh, if somebody doesn't follow the rules to the T in a game, right, I'll be kind of upset. And I remember Pastor Kevin, my youth pastor, always, hey, show grace. It's okay, show grace. Like, oh, right, what do you mean grace? I want to win. <laughs> but no, I sh- <laughs> show grace. If somebody made a mistake, it's okay, show grace. And again, just growing up, right, in the church, I hear it all the time in messages and teachings, right, show grace, or like how grace is, you know, so good and all that. But did I, did I really understand it? That's the question, right? Did I understand what grace was? And not really, right? I, I just knew it as something that I had to do as a Christian or something I was told to do by my pastor or by my youth pastor. Um, but I didn't really understand it personally, right? If I were, if I were to show grace, it was because I was told to, do, told to do so, or because I thought it was a, the Christian thing to do, right? Somebody did something wrong to you, okay, you show them grace. That's what Christians do. But as I grew older, and as I've um, gone deeper in love with the Lord, and as I've gone to know him better, and know the grace that God's shown me deeper and more personally, it's changed everything, it's changed everything about my perspective for grace and why I show grace and, and what grace really is and how much, how much I receive it from everybody. So I've entitled my message today, uh, Established by Grace. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, if you will open up to Ephe- uh, sorry, <laughs> Ephesians, Hebrews chapter 13. If you need a Bible, uh, if you just raise your hand, our handsome young ushers here will come bring you a Bible. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So we're going to take a break from James today. We're going to go back a book. We'll go into the book of Ephesians. I keep saying that. Book of Hebrews, sorry. Book of Hebrews. I'll be referencing Ephesians later. Book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Hebrews 13. Let me open up. All right, if you're there, I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me in honor of God's word. Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll be looking at verse 9. We read, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Just one verse today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so gracious towards us. You are so good. And God, as we open up your word and as we study, um, I pray that you will be here with us, that you would teach us. God, that you will encourage us and spur us on. Lord, I pray that you will help us to deeply and uh, understand, Lord, what it it means to show grace and what it means to be shown grace by you, Lord. We, We love you and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, would you guys uh, take this opportunity to say hi to someone, greet your neighbors, and then you guys can have a seat.
All right. The author says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. I read that and I was intrigued, right? Strange doctrines. We see, we see that term carried about or carried away in other passages uh, in the New Testament. And we can read them and, and really it's, it's a warning to us, right? Don't be carried away. Don't, don't get taken away. Paul says uh, in Ephesians, this time, right? Ephesians, he says, we should no longer be children tossed, and, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Right, it's a warning. We've seen churches accept different perspectives of acceptance. Right, what is sin? What's not sin? This used to be sin, but maybe it's not anymore. Like, churches are changing and morphing into this um, thing that's not pleasing to, to God. You know, I read about a pastor the other day online. <clears throat> recently, who said that he doesn't know anymore if abortion is a sin, right? Just perspectives are changing and, and convictions are changing. And with the youth, uh, on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and, and we see how Paul's addressing the church there, right? There's, a, there's these sexual sins that are creeping into the church, and Paul's saying, hey, that's a no-no, right? You can't have that. You need to, you need to cut that out. You know, some churches are trying to be accepting to all people, right? Which is good, but, by, but they do that by accepting their sins as well. They, they say, you know, we, we love you. We, we want you to be here. And it's okay that you're doing this. It, it's fine. And they, they turn the blind eye. And, and if, it's almost like they, they're accepting their sins as well into their church. <clears throat> and that's a dangerous thing. You know, before we can really understand what, what grace is, I think we need to understand uh, the weight of sin first. Right? The, the truth is sin is bad. <laughs> right? That's the truth. Simple as that. Sin is bad. Sin doesn't please God. And, and any sin is bad. Right? We can't, we can't let it into our church. We can't let it into our families. We can't let it into our lives. It's a serious thing to, to push sin away. You know, the Bible says that we're all sinners, right? And I think most of us can agree. We're all sinners. We, we, we sin, we do wrong things at times. The Bible also tells us that the consequence of that, right, is, is death. And so we've now we know we, we're all sinners and we all deserve death. Not just murder or what we might think is a bigger sin or, or the worst sin, right? All sin is bad and all sin leads to death. And so that's where we are. We're sinners deserving of death. Sin's a big deal. It separates us from God. It hurts our relationship with God, right? That, that's the relationship that matters the most. Right? So many of us, right, and so, so often we, we sin so that we can save our relationship with people when it's, when it's actually hurting our relationship with God. And man, it's not worth it. You know, I think people have the wrong idea when it comes to love, too. <clears throat> you know, loving someone doesn't mean that you have to accept their sin, too. 
Right? To, to truly love someone means you tell them if they're in sin. Right? If they're doing something wrong, then to love them means you, you tell them, you correct them. You say, hey, I love you, but what you're doing is not okay. What you're doing, that's sin. And you need to cut that out. Right? To tell them they need, they need course correction. Because where they're headed is not godly. Where they're headed is not where God is. They need to correct their course. They need to come back to the right path. That's love. Because you want to see them do well. You want to see them walk with God. That's love, right? Love is not just turning the blind eye foolishly, accepting their sins, right? And, and, you know, so that they feel, quote unquote, loved. You know, our, our goal in loving people is not to make people feel comfortable. You know that. It's quite the opposite. Often when we love someone, we, we put them in uncomfortable positions because we have to tell them at times, hey, you need, to, you need to stop that. And it's not easy. Those are not easy conversations. But if you love someone, truly love someone, then, then you will have those conversations. <clears throat> but obviously, we don't want to go too far on the other side, right, and, and enter legalism and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You're going to hell because of your sins, and, and you're unforgivable. I can't believe you did that, right? That, that's not what, where we want to go. And so loving people, th- there's a balance that we need to uh, find, right, with, with grace and love. There, there's a balance that we need to find. You know, it's good to be gracious. It's good to be loving and accepting, but we also have to be straightforward and clear when it comes to sin. Yeah, sin is sin. Love the person, yes, but, but we need to hate the sin, right? You've heard that saying. And so, that's something I think we need to realize before we can talk about grace is that we are sinners in need of grace. We, we need something. We're, without grace, we're left in this position where we're, we have no hope. And so what is grace? We'll get to that. In Jude, uh, we read about Sodom and Gomorrah giving themselves over to sexual immorality and, and they, he uses this word, they're going after strange flesh. Strange flesh. In Leviticus, we read about Nadab and Abihu. You guys might know this. I know this, but um, these guys were offering profane fire. But that word profane can be translated to strange as well. So they're offering strange fire, and, and it actually leads them to be killed by it. And so strange flesh, strange fire, and we're reading about strange doctrine today. I give these examples because we can so easily be carried away by strange things. <laughs> We can be distracted, misled by, by strange things, weird things, unusual things, right? things that are unfamiliar and, and alien. I mean, we like new things. We, we like things that are different at times. See, God's word is to be and is to go unchanged. God's word is not to be messed with. He's called us to worship in spirit and in truth, right? And truth doesn't change. Truth was truth yesterday and truth will be truth tomorrow. There are some weird stuff out there, you guys. There are some weird stuff out there. People who do crazy things to to promote spiritualness or to provoke the work of the spirit, the movement of the spirit, and, and it can start to get weird. It can be a little bit weird and strange. 
whether it be strange fire, strange flesh, strange doctrine, these unfamiliar philosophies and ways of thinking can carry us away and, and take us to a place we shouldn't be. We, we need to be careful. Right? Those things can carry us away from Jesus, who, who's most important. Right? He's the one that we should be abiding with. He's the one we should be connected with. But these strange Flesh, fire, doctrine, all these strange things of the world can carry us away and, and further us from God. We need to be careful. You guys, if you give Satan an inch, he's going to take a mile. You think you're going to be okay, right? You're just going to allow this one thing. It's not a big deal, but over time, it grows, and, and it becomes a big deal, and it gets out of hand, Right, you think you can excuse this one little sin in your life, but, but if you don't kill it right now while it's still small and easy to kill, it's going to overtake you. If you give Satan an inch, he will take a mile every single time. Don't give him any room. Don't give him anything. Don't give him any part of your life. He's looking for every opportunity to, to hurt us, Right, we read in the Bible that he's like a lion, seeking seeking whom he might devour. Right, that, that's the image. He's just constantly looking for opportunities to destroy, to kill, to steal, to rob. Right, that's what he does. So, my encouragement, my challenge is: don't let your guard down at all times. Or you think that just this one little sin is not going to hurt you, but in in the long run, it it, it really could. So don't let any sin in your life, don't let any opportunity, don't give any opportunity to the devil to, to come in and to mess up your life. Going back to our text, the author says, don't get carried about with various and strange doctrine. I mean, there are so many teachings and doctrines that can be, you know, it can be so confusing. But what we have to come back to, right? I remember before um, just ha having this fear of going online to study for the Bible or for my, uh, when I'm teaching or something, I would be afraid of going online to look for, you know, people's opinions because I was always afraid of being like this, carried away or, or being misled. Because I'm like, some people are just, you know, crooked and they're false teachers. I'm so scared. I don't know who to listen to. I don't know what to do, right? But we have to always come back to Jesus, and his words when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Come back to the word. Come back to the Bible. And there's no confusion about that. Right? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. But let's be real. Right? False teachings, corrupt teachers, they do find their way into churches today. And we have to be careful. We really have to be careful you guys know Paul, he warns the Galatians about uh, their legalistic tendencies, right? He was harsh towards them. He was like, hey, you need to come back to grace. We read in Colossians where um, we read about these knowledge-hungry Gnostics. They were, they were infiltrating the church and, and, and really affecting the church, right? These guys were seeking a hidden type of knowledge, Right, that could only be found through a deeper, more mystical meditation. Right? And, and it was affecting the church. And Paul's saying, hey, have none of that. Come back to grace. Come back to Jesus. 
in 2 Thessalonians, we read that these people were being told that Jesus already came back, that they missed it. Right? Paul's like, nonsense, he's not back yet. S- stay, worship God, don't panic, it's okay. Right? We can go on and on. Second Peter is all about false teachers, and it's all over the Bible. And it's clear, the Bible, God's trying to warn us, don't fall into false teachings and don't follow after these things. Don't be carried about. Don't be carried away by strange doctrine. Be solid in the word. The weird things of the world, that they try to get in and corrupt the church, right? Satan tries to enter and corrupt the church. Guys, we need to be guarded. And when I say that, we need to, we need to be ready to fight. We need to be ready to say no to the devil. I mean, there's so many churches today that teach false things. I mean, I, I, you know, just looking things up, right? Some say Jesus is actually an angel. And that's blasphemy. Right? Some say that Jesus is a God, right? Like there's multiple. That's blasphemy. Some say Jesus and the Father are separate persons. When, when we read Jesus himself saying, I am, the, I'm, I am, I am, right? <laughs> He's God. It's clear. Some say that Good works, it's required for salvation and to earn God's, you know, favor. Some say you'll, you know, I chuckled a little when I, when I read this, right? Some say that you'll have your own little planet and, and in heaven and that you'll be your own little God. And, you know, it's just, some people teach weird things and people follow. Right? Think about the prosperity churches, right? Where they say, if you love God, if you actually follow God, then there, there won't be any uh, difficulties. No, you'll be rich. God will bless you. No sickness. And if you are sick, if you are poor, that means you're not following God. I mean, those are not true. Those are not right. But people follow them. They're being carried away, carried about by these false and weird, strange doctrines. And we need to be careful who we give our ears to, who we give our attention to, who we give our hearts to. Let's be careful. You know, all these opinions of man, right? All these false teachings of man, they, they take away from what God did for us. They, they take away from Jesus' work on the cross, the work of grace, and it adds on to that. They add on man's way of thinking. They add on man's way of, um, you know, man's work on top of God's work. They take away from God's glory. They take away from the glory that God deserves. I mean, if you think about it, we live in a world where doctrine is created all the time. There's new doctrine coming out, and it's dangerous. In Colossians uh, 2, verse 8, I'm going to turn there real quick. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 8 through 10, <clears throat> Paul, he writes, Beware, right? Be careful, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9, For in him, in God, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. 
you know, today's passage we're looking at is Hebrews 13, 9. But if you go back one verse, right, the verse right before it, um, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Guys, Jesus never changes. And so we need to be careful. Living in an age where change is constant. You know, people these days, they try to change truth. They try to change what's right. They try to change and they try to challenge God. And we need to be careful not to be carried away by those things. You know, Jesus himself, he says it in Matthew 7, 15. Beware, again, there's another warning. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, right? So from the outside, they look good. They check all the boxes. But inwardly, he says, they are ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. Guys, we need to be discerning when listening to teachers, when listening to pastors, when listening to people who have a platform. We need to be careful. We're so blessed with such a great pastor. I love Pastor Rick, and I completely trust him when he says things up here. But our responsibility is to still check. Right, when he says, open your Bibles to James, whatever, right? We need to go there and actually look to check, to keep him accountable, to keep you know, ourselves accountable. That's what it means um, to be a good Bible student, right? And that's what we're all called to be. Be careful when someone has a new movement. Be careful when someone you know, is starting up a new thing and it's kind of different. <laughs> Just be cautious because Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same. And if Jesus didn't teach it, then forget it. If it's not found in scripture, then move on and proceed with caution. You know, Pastor Rick, he meets with us uh, staff once in a while uh, during the week and for a time of discipleship. And it's really good. But we go through different books or different you know, videos, different pastors teaching. But, but he always says this to us and I, and I love it. And I always hold on to it. He says, chew the meat and spit out the bones. And I love that, right? Because some pastors, some people, right, they have some really good things to say. They really do. Some books, right, great things. But, but, but we're all people and we all make mistakes. Right? We all say things sometimes that are not according to the scriptures. And so when we're, you know, we need to do our part in studying and to making sure that what we're listening, what we're taking in, what we're allowing into our hearts is aligned with scripture, Right, so we take what's good, we take what's solid, biblical, and we leave the things that we don't want. That's how we grow, by doing that daily. We listen, we, we intake, but we make sure that what's coming in, right, we filter it through the word of God. That's how we become you know, better you know, be, people, <laughs> followers of Christ. Let's be those who search the truth. Right in Acts 17, you guys know this, right? We read about the, uh, the Bereans who, who studied, who searched the scriptures. Paul came, he's teaching. These guys aren't just like, oh, it's Paul. We'll just listen to whatever he says and we'll just believe everything. No, they, they search the scriptures. They say, let me make sure what he's saying is true. 
that, that's how we should be every week, every day, as we listen to different teachers and pastors and podcasts, right? Let's, I know that it's not always available, right? We don't always have our Bibles when we're driving or things like that, but, but have in mind and, and check. Check scripture. Is it actually there? Is what that person said actually found in the Bible? Put in the work. Guys, let's not believe everything that we hear. Let's not believe everything that we see. I want us to know the word of God so well that, that we don't get deceived by strange doctrine. Right? Know the word so well that you don't get deceived by strange or weird, false teachings. So we don't get carried about like the author says here. Just like Paul said to the Thessalonians, right? 1 Thessalonians 5.21, test all things. Test it, put it to test. And hold fast what is good. Let that be us. I draw your attention back to the text, uh, Hebrews 13.9. It is good, that's what the author says, it is good that the heart be established with grace. So here comes our main point of the day. <laughs> the strange things uh, draw us to believe that Jesus is not enough, right? They add on to the gospel. They add on to what God did for us. But the good thing we see here, the good thing tells us to be established in grace, in grace alone. We see where grace comes from in John uh, one seventeen, right? The origin of grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so that's where grace comes from, Jesus By definition, grace is free and unmerited favor of God. Right, Googled it. <laughs> grace definition, right? Google bumped it down to the third definition. <laughs> there are different things before this definition. And, and after this definition, right, uh, free and unmerited favor of God, it's in parentheses, it says, uh, Christian purposes only. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Found it interesting. The truth is, there's no way to obtain grace except through Jesus. Grace was established by the work on the cross. Right, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, a lot of you guys probably have this memorized. If not, let's memorize this because it is important for us to know this, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Grace is a gift of God that we don't deserve. I mean, that, the definition of that word itself <laughs> means that, right? It's something we don't deserve. And the writer of Hebrews emphasizes the supremacy of Jesus. Now he's above all things and his deity. See, nothing else is required for us for our salvation but Jesus and his grace. Nothing else. And our hearts need to be established in that very grace of God. And grace is more important than you might think it is. Definitely more important than I, what I used to think it was. It is purely, right, it's shown to us purely by God's love for us, right? Because we did nothing to deserve it, nothing to earn it. God said, I love you, I'll give you grace. In Matthew, we read, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And so the question for you guys today, is Jesus your treasure? Is Jesus your treasure? Do, do you treasure him? Is he that gift that's so important to you? Is he your prize? Is Jesus your prize? Or is your heart set on things of the world, right? Making money, getting ahead, furthering yourself. Obviously, those things aren't wrong in and of itself, but is that where your heart is? Is that all you care about? Listen to your heart, the world tells us. Go where your heart takes you. You know, Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Isn't that crazy? Above all things. When I read that, 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 that part stuck out to me. Satan's not even as deceitful as our hearts. What? Right? Our hearts are so deceitful. And that's why we read in Proverbs, right? Guard your heart. <laughs> Don't listen to your heart. Don't go wherever your heart tells you to go. Don't do whatever your heart tells you to do. It's deceitful. The, heart, the writer of Hebrews tells us to have our hearts uh, be established by grace. Right? Established means to set up or to be firm, right? To be placed on a permanent base. Right? Jesus wants the permanent acceptance or uh, our permanent recognition that his work is final. Jesus is all we need. It's purity, his work that saves us. Nothing else, nothing we can do we don't have to add to it. It's purity him. That permanent recognition, right? God, you're all. You are everything. It's because of you. You know, as I was studying for this message and just studying the word grace, right? Surrendering our hearts to, to the grace of God, I think it makes us humble. It keeps us in reverence of Jesus keeps us fixed on his work, keeps us fixed on him and, and worshiping him, right? Just as we accept grace, and as we establish ourselves on grace, we, we, we now, all we can do is worship him and keep our eyes on him and it humbles ourselves. I think many people have a hard time giving out grace to people and I think that's because of pride. There's pride in their hearts. They don't want to do it. All right, going back to my example, when I was a youth, right? No way, like I want to win, <laughs> You cheated. I deserve, the, I deserve the medal. I deserve to win, not you. <laughs> pride. And the Bible has a lot to say about pride. Oh, that's for another time. We're surrendering our hearts to the grace of God can help break down that pride until we're humble. We're products of grace. Right? We are products of grace. We're defined by his grace. Our, our identity is in his grace, right? We're not a child of God. We're, we're not God's children unless God showed us grace, unless we're saved by grace through faith. If it's not for his grace, we will not be his kids, right? We will not have salvation. We will not have any of this. We're defined by his grace. And it's God's grace that draws people, all mankind, to salvation. That's what it is. It's God's grace. It comes back to God's grace, you know, the idea of man gaining salvation, purity on unmerited uh, grace, it baffles people. People can't understand that. 
People think they need to work. People think they need to work for their salvation. They need, they need to do good deeds. They need to do good things in order to have salvation, right? I, I don't know any religious systems or practices or meditations that offer you salvation based on other people's work. I, I, I've never heard of one. Society tells you that, you know, you get what you work for. You don't get what I work for. You get what you work for. So grace is... Um, it's not something that everybody understands, but it's the base of our belief here, right? It's what saves us. It's God's work. It's Jesus' work on the cross that saves us, not ours. So grace is established in Christ. Grace is the fullness of God's love for us, right? We, we see God's love. We experience God's love through his grace, now, this grace we've been talking about is, is the saving grace, right? The saving grace of Jesus. But there's another one I want to talk about today, and that's the power of daily grace, the, the, the empowering grace, the grace we, we need to have every single day. See, when we're established by grace of God, when, when, he, when we choose the good thing, as we read here, it now becomes an asset for us, a, a power source where we can tap into uh, as we run this race or, or as we live life, where we can tap into the power source called grace. We read in 2 Timothy 2.1, 2 Timothy 2.1, uh, Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Paul, he calls Timothy to seek out strength in the grace that's available in Jesus. Not, not anywhere else. Seek, you know, strength in books or seek strength in teachings. No, he says seek uh, strength in grace. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Guys, we need grace in whatever we do, wherever we're at, whatever occupation, right? We need grace. As believers, we're called uh, by God's purpose to walk in a manner that's holy, right? To be a witness, to glorify God in everything that we do. And we need grace to do that. Right? To be a witness, to glorify God in everything we do. That means public, private, and in our thoughts as well. I mean, everything we do needs to honor God. And we need God's grace to do that. I mean, generally speaking, our purpose as Christians, right, as followers of God, is to be imitators of Christ, right? Hey, do what God did. Do what Jesus did, <laughs> Imitate him, copy him. And grace and truth were established by Christ. We walk in grace and truth, or we should. So the question is, are you established in grace? Are you established by grace? Are you empowered by grace today? Are you walking day by day in grace today? Do you give out the same grace Jesus gives to you every single day? Or do you just take it for yourself and hoard it? I love grace, but I don't like to give it out. I think that's, <laughs> we all can be that way. We want all the grace we can take, but we don't want to give it out. How selfish. No matter what you do on your daily basis, right? We need to choose grace. And you're going to hear that many, many more times throughout my message today. Choose grace. 
I used to work in the food industry. Uh, I've waited on many tables. I've, I've waited on many people. I've made many sandwiches for people working at Subway, right? I've done many things, and, and there were, for a lack of a better term, right, there were many ungrateful customers, uh, and they would, you know, be mad at me, or they will you know, I'm not fast enough. I didn't bring them water fast enough. They're thirsty. I've been ringing my bell. I'm like, you know, but I've had a lot of opportunity to show grace, right? Show grace, not only to receive, but we need to give out grace. Whether you're a big-time executive, or you're a busboy, you're landscaping, or you're a server, uh, whatever rank you're in in the military, right? We need to show grace. We need to give out grace to the people around us. Man, we, we can't live a life imitating Jesus if we're not empowered to give out the grace that we've received, Titus 2, 11 through 12, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, right? So the grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So it's God's grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And it's God's grace on us that is an example of how we're supposed to live our lives. I mean, being godly in this age, man, it is not easy, is it? And with everything going on in the world, some of you guys might find it hard not to be angry. Why? Like you ask that question, why? And I imagine a lot of you guys, your workplace, it's not filled with Christians. It's, it's, rather, it's filled with you know, ungodly people, maybe. And so it's, it's not easy for us to be that one, to be that few. But we're called to love people. We're called to love those who don't love God yet, hopefully. When we read Romans, we know that we were all once enemies of God. It says that. And that's a scary thought, honestly. It's scary that I could be an enemy of God. It's scary that I once was an enemy of God. I mean, I don't want to be God's enemy. I mean, who does? But by God's love, we've been reconciled, right? And even while we were his enemy, Christ died for us. Though we are sinners, right, the perfect God chooses to show us mercy and grace every single day as we sin. <laughs> Because I'm preaching about grace today, I'm, I'm going to sin again, you know, in the short future, and I'm going to need more grace. I'm going to need more grace. We all need grace. You know, Paul, uh, the Bible tells us that um, love keeps no records of wrongs, right? First Corinthians 13, love keeps no records of wrongs. Right? When you go into heaven, Jesus, he's not going to have a list of all the sins you've committed, <laughs> You did this, 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 but you know what? You can still come in. No, it's not like that, right? He doesn't keep records like that. He, he just has a get out of jail free card, right? He just says, hey, Josh, I love you. Come into heaven. And how beautiful is that picture? That's grace. That is love. And when Jesus was on earth, he didn't see the downfalls of people. Rather, he saw who people were created to be. Right? Jesus didn't see Judaism and hate the Jews who were participating in that. Right? He, he rebuked them in truth because it was wrong, but he loved the people. I mean, he taught Nicodemus how to enter the kingdom, right? be born again. 
He didn't say, you guys are, you guys are wrong. And he just you know, didn't teach them the way. You know, he, he loved them. Jesus didn't focus on the adulterous woman's sin, but he saw the forgiveness that she was going to receive and who she was going to become after that. I mean, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. He still hung out with him. He's still one of the core group. I imagine they, they laughed together. They ate together. They told jokes, you know, together. I mean, they had this relationship. That's grace. That's love. Jesus didn't see a thief on the cross next to him, but he saw his child who was going to be in paradise with him. That's grace. I mean, we were all once enemies to God who didn't know God's grace. Every person we looked down on with no grace, that was once us. And so have that perspective. And if we're looking down on someone in church and we're not showing grace to somebody in church, we're hurting the body of Christ. Jesus always looks at who we were made to be. Man, let's look at people through that lens. Not the mistakes that we make every single day. Don't, be, don't identify people by their mistakes, but identify them through God's grace. Look at someone, know that they're loved by God. Know that they don't deserve grace, but neither do you. <laughs> and so that should help us dish out and give out grace because I didn't deserve it in the first place. I didn't deserve the grace God gave me. So let me, let me give some out. You know, some questions I want to ask you guys before I close. Are we calling upon the Lord to empower us with this grace? Are, are we asking him for strength? Are we asking him to, God, give, give me power to show, show grace to people? If not, we should be. To live life with his grace for the sake of his gospel. Do we have grace to love our enemies? People who are mean to us? People who wrong us all the time? Are, are Calling is to love them and to show them grace too, like Jesus did. Do you have grace to forgive those who wronged us? Do, you, do we ask God to help us extend grace to others? All these questions, I want you guys to ask yourself, are you doing this on the daily? Because we need his help to do these things. We can't, we can't show grace without God's help because it's not natural. When someone wrongs you, our first response is, I'm going to hurt you back. An eye for an eye. That's not what God teaches us. Someone hurts you, your response is grace and love. And obviously, correction, all that comes too, but, but grace, right? Everything is in grace and love. You know, I think it's important for us to realize that we're no better than the person sitting next to us. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. We're all sinners saved by grace. None of us deserve the grace that God shows us. None of us deserve forgiveness. We're all sinners. And, and often we, we tend to think of ourselves better and highly, you know, and better than other people who make mistakes and who wrong us. I'm better than you. I don't need to show you grace, but that's not the case. Bring it back. We're all sinners. I deserve death. God saved me. Let, me. let me show you some grace. That's nothing compared to what Jesus showed me. See, if you struggle to show grace to everyone, it might be because you forgot, right? Maybe, maybe we've forgotten what Jesus did for us. Lord, help us not to forget the work on the cross. 
right? We forget how much grace that's been showed us that when we were mad at people, right, that emotion takes over and, and we forget to show grace. So we, we just don't want to show grace because of that pride, right? Bring it back. Bring it back to what you've received. Bring it back to the grace God's shown you. And that'll help you. That'll help you show grace. Man, I was heading towards hell and Jesus died for me and saved me. That's grace. Let, let me, what, what, you, what God's calling me to do right now is nothing compared to, what, compared to that. So let me just show you this little bit of grace real quick. It'll help you on the daily just to go back and remember what Jesus did for you. And it's good to think about. It's good to remember what God did for you. Keeps us in check. Maybe you're having a hard time forgiving someone today. Maybe you're having a hard time showing grace. Let's come back to Jesus. That'll change us. When we think about all that Jesus did for us, it'll change us. It'll help us. So let's be quick to forgive. Let's be quick to show grace. And you know, these are high callings. These are not easy things to do. Easier said than done for sure. But let's be quick to forgive, quick to show grace like Jesus did for us and Jesus does for us every day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Worship team, you guys can come up too. Lord, we thank you for your grace. God, it is huge. Or I don't deserve it. But God... You love us enough to show us grace every day. God, I thank you. Thank you so much. Lord, help us not to be distracted by strange doctrine or be carried away by false teachings. God, how easy it can be, especially when there's a speaker that's so good at speaking and funny and we want to follow them. But God, help us not to be carried away by those things, but to be solid in your word to know your word so well that we don't get deceived by the devil, by false teachers, anything like that. God, help us to be good Bible students. And Lord, help us to be established by grace. Thank you for your saving grace, Lord. I thank you that you've made a way for us. And God, help us, empower us, strengthen us to show grace every day to the people around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.